My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a very special guest today, Alexi Patalis. Alexi is a certified mindset coach for founders and startups, so very, very unique and niche, and I cannot wait to pick his brain about this. He's also the host of the Mindfield podcast, and he is also basically a family member of mine because he's been dating my very close cousin, Charlotte, for like what, six years now, seven years now. Yeah, coming up to seven. I'm up to seven. So we're very close. And it's just about time that Alexi comes on the podcast because he's an incredible person, a hub full of knowledge. And I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much again for coming on. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. I think you can, uh, you get an invite to the wedding for that. So <laughs> wait, are you proposing? Soon? Nah, no, not yet. Not yet. Shaw will love that. Um, that might get her a little bit too excited, but no, thank you. Thank you so much, honestly, for having me here. And, uh, I'm really excited to see what we talk about because, um, every time we have a conversation, it ends up going in all sorts of directions. Um, and it's always fascinating. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love our conversations. And when you came to visit uh, us in the Bahamas a few months ago, I remember we were having such deep conversations about this. And that's when we had the idea to do a podcast together. So, cause you've kind of rebranded like your business um, over the past, you know, couple months. And I'd love to talk about why you're so interested in coaching the founder and startup space. Cause it's such a unique as, you know, a founder of a startup myself, it's such mm-hmm. a unique uh, you know, I guess niche and something that we really need. So I'd love to a know how you came to the conclusion for this to be the focus a and B some of the main problem areas that you see with a lot of the founders and startups you work with. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. Um, I, I think best thing to do is, is to start really with like, I came out of university, um, I did geography at university, had zero interest in what I was doing. I had a great time. Uh, I made a lot of awesome friends, um, but I kind of had this this feeling that I wanted more from from university. And I'd always struggled at school. um, And I always sort of had in in my mind that business was going to be my my thing. You know, as soon as I leave school, I'll be able to, you know, get rid of the chains of what school and university bring and I'll be able to do my own thing. And just, I just want to set my own thing up. Um, had no idea what I wanted to do. Spoke to a friend, uh, a really good friend at the time at university. And we decided we'd set up our first business, um, you know, started as a silly idea sitting around a table, you know, bored, um, and then ended up setting up our first business. Um, and really I spent the next five or six years um, building two or three different businesses um, and running them uh, partly with a co-founder and partly on my own. Um, they were in all sorts of different things. Um, one was a, a high-end fashion brand. Um, the other one was an Amazon drop shipping business, um, which you know, you'll know about. Um, and I learned a hell of a lot from all of these 
these businesses I was doing. I had a lot of success, but also a hell of a lot of failure. And what I call failure is really, it's just, it's learning, um, which is what's so cool. But at the time it felt quite heavy. Um, and I was pretty lonely in my founder journey. Um, I started to, I started to feel pretty down. Um, and I had everything going for me in life. Um, and it sort of got to the point, long story short, it got to the point where something wasn't right. I wasn't excited to get up. Um, and I couldn't understand why, because nothing was really wrong. Um, and I sort of had these thoughts of like, I just don't really care whether I'm here. And it's not that sort of, you know, for the, for the drama or anything like that. It was, it was sort of the moment for me or one of many moments that happened in my life where I thought something's got to change. What am I doing wrong here? I'm working, you know, 10 hours a day or however long I was just trying to build and build and build this, whatever business it was. Um, and so I started looking for a bit of support. Um, I spoke to my mum, which is the, the classic go-to, um, and she just said, why don't you speak to someone? And I, as a, as a, a male founder and always been in control of everything I do, and I'm going to shape, you know, everything and it, I can save myself, which was what was going through my head at the, the time still, I, I, I finally decided and conceded to go and see someone. Um, and the first person I saw, um, she was great. She was sort of more like a spiritual therapist, um, but also she was just asking questions. Um, and she realized that I needed someone who had done something in business, who had had that experience that I had had, who has the drive that I had and all these similar themes, um, but that could help me work out what was going on. And so I was passed on to this guy, um, Ricky, who's been my mentor ever since um, for many, many years now. Um, and he was a successful business guy had made, um, you know, property business out of nothing and, but had gone through very similar feelings to me all the way through. Um, and so I, I essentially engaged in these sessions and I thought they're going to be a complete waste of time. Um, and all it really was, was him asking, why are you doing what you're doing? I remember not being able to really answer that question and and he started helping me look at the really the bigger the bigger questions the bigger life questions like what is it that you would be happy with um if you know you got to the end of your career what would make you feel good about yourself and you know I had this moment where I realized that I wouldn't really be happy with anything like there were a lot of scenarios that we sort of kind of went through. Like he was like, you know, if you made 10 million in your business, would you be happy? Really think about it. And I'd be like, yeah, I'd be happy. But would you be, would you be content? Would that be it? And I really couldn't answer. I, I basically answered and I said, no, I don't think I would be. And maybe that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I think I was trying to be really honest with myself and, and, and realize that building a business for building's sake is not what I wanted to do. It had to be meaningful for me. So we got to this conclusion and we just pretty much ripped up the script and, and sort of started again. I carried on all my other um, businesses, but, but we essentially realized that I needed to focus on this thing that I was super passionate about.
Um, and it's a really good point on, on, on how I found what I would call my current purpose, um, which is that we looked at and we examined for many sessions. Uh, and this guy was a coach and mentor. We examined many, many sessions of, in many sessions, what is it that really makes me feel alive? What is it that gets me up in the morning? What is it that I love to do? And we dug in. So when I'd say something like, oh, you know, I love to, um, I love to help people. What does that really mean? What do I love about helping people? Because we all get this feeling, but what is it? And I realized that the conversations that I was having with people, friends, all my life about life, about what's going on in their mind, about how they can help themselves, how I can help myself. Anything that was a little bit under the surface, I absolutely loved. I was just, I, my energy would go and I would see it on calls, whether I was on a call with someone or I just had a coffee meeting with someone. That's kind of was my favorite part about building businesses. It was meeting interesting people and hearing about the shit that had hit the fan or like what had gone wrong in their life and like how they had solved it and how they had overcome. So we are getting there. I am coming back to, to, to it all. But we essentially realized I wanted to have these conversations with people and we, we could start doing that. How was I going to do that? So I started a podcast um, and I started interviewing people, all sorts of people on what was going on in their mind um, and trying to work out what it was that was helping them the most. And what I came to realize after about 30 sessions uh, 30 sessions, 30 podcasts, was that coaching kept coming up. And I hadn't gone to try and find any coaches or anyone that had, you know, been coached. It was on my radar. I'd known about it, but I sort of thought life coaching, that's a bit wishy-washy, isn't it? And I think part of me still has that narrative in my head because of the way it's been been sort of taught in the UK and seen in the UK. It's It's becoming a lot bigger now. But um, so I started realizing a lot of people were saying, you know what, it was a mind coach that or, or a, a coach, life coach that really helped me through my stuff. Talking addictions, we're talking um, anorexia, we're talking um, professional athletes. And it was coming across in all these different realms. Basically, anyone that was a high performer who I was interviewing had had some form and, and, and had said all these things. Um, it doesn't mean that other stuff wasn't helping um, people, but what it made me realize was that I could potentially train as a coach and help people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I wasn't prepared to go back and, and do a full sort of psychology course and, and, and get into that. It's a lot. I didn't enjoy education and I wanted something a bit more fluid. So I sort of looked into it. I took the plunge and once I started that course, you never know until you take action whether you're going to really love it and whether it is going to be the thing and whether it's going to be your passion. And I knew I would like it, but I absolutely fell in love with the technique. I fell in love with the fact that it was kind of what I'd done all my life, which was instead of trying to give advice all the time, it's ask people and get curious with what's going on with them. You know, we get so much blanket advice and maybe we'll come on to that a bit later that often it confuses us because we're constantly being told what to do. And actually, 
being empowered by someone, a stranger that says, what do you think? What do you think is going to change you? Because you've been in that body. You've been in that mind for all your life. I have no idea who you are. You know, not even your best friend or your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom or your dad know even a percent of you. So, or what goes on in your mind. So, so yeah, so I, I kind of had this woo moment of this is it. Like I'm, I'm where I need to be. So I did the training through, through lockdown. Um, and I am and have been for the past year and a half um, coaching founders um, because the, the part that I missed out actually is that you do the coaching course and then you get to choose what niche you want to be in. And I was umming and ahhing and suddenly it just came to me one day. I'm like, I want to help the people that I've been, which is a founder. I know the themes. I know the general um, the, the general challenges that go that founders go through, the loneliness. And I felt like I could empathize with them more. So I, I married the two together. I married two of my biggest passions, building businesses, being a founder and helping people mentally. And that's what I've been doing for the last year, year and a half. Um, and I'm just, I'm loving it. Uh, I really, I don't say that lightly as well because I did a lot of things and I tried a lot of things before this but it really has clicked and yeah. So long story short, <laughs> I'm here now. Wow. Well, I must say everything that you have experienced up to this point really seems like it just all happened perfectly for a reason, whatever quote failures, whatever challenges, all the mental health stuff going on. It really seems like that perfectly led you like the perfect staircase to this you know, thing that you are now doing. Mm -hmm. And obviously I've known you for, for a while and it's so cool to see what you've done and, and how it just fits perfectly into what you are now doing. So that's just, that's amazing. And I'm so happy that, that you found your thing and you're really good at it too. Cause you've been there, you've done it. I feel like when it comes to coaches, it's like, if they haven't experienced what I was going through, it's, I always, I always love that piece of advice I was given once a long time ago, never take advice from someone who hasn't been through what you, that what, what you're going through. And mm -hmm. I think that's just such an important, important note. So that's amazing. So I'd love to now know specifically founder focused, what are those big challenges that you see a lot of your clients face? Um, and I can definitely tell you some of the challenges that I have faced in this space. And I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and it is very hard and very lonely. So I'd love to know what other people are saying. And then also just the common, just the common themes in general and, and how they can feel better in a sense. Yeah. We don't have yeah, to get into a whole session, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's a perfect place to start, you know, the challenges, the main problems. Um, just just to to slightly cover, you know, your point before, it's it's worth saying to people that are listening that, you know, my story and everyone's story on a podcast always sounds like it falls right into place. Um, it definitely did not feel like that um yeah. along the road, and it never it, it never quite happens as you expect. And that's why there is a certain amount of trust that you've got to have in yourself. Um, and also a lot of patience. 
because I am very lucky to sit here and say that I know what I'm, I want to do, but that will also adapt and change. And maybe I'll be, you know, put turned on my head at some point. Um, and it won't be what I want to do, but hundred percent, I, it feels like everything's fallen into place. It always um, seems that way when you look back, like in the moment it's messy yeah. and you yeah, just, you don't know is. what's going on and you're confused. And I, listen, I've been there too. And, and that's such a good point for you to say to the listeners that on podcasts, it seems like the story just fit in perfectly. And yeah. I like how you said that because it's true. And with both of our experiences, it's messy in the middle, but then at the end, not that we've reached the end at all, but like when you mm. actually finally think, oh, I really like what I'm doing now. And I'm feeling very good with where I am in the present. You look back and then everything makes sense and you realize everything happened yeah. for a reason, but for sure in the moment, it's all over and, the place. Yeah. And, and I, you know what, I've started to like messy and that sounds silly, but I don't need everything to align in my life for me to be happy. It's the searching for that alignment that can make you very unhappy because you're always searching. And actually it's right here. You're right here. You are a good, decent human being. You're trying your best. If you start there, it's amazing how much more belief you have in yourself, which I know, you know, is a huge thing that you, you sort of, push and talk about which is like the number one if you have belief in yourself you can genuinely do anything yeah. because with belief follows action etc um but yeah let's 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 get stuck into some of the you know the main challenges because i think it's 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 not talked about enough founders are starting to to talk a little bit more but um so some of the common themes, uh, one is, is really loneliness. Um, and not even if you're running a, a 50 person company, the buck stops, buck always stops with you. Um, and for a lot of founders in their, their early journey, it's very much doing things on their own. You are, you know, hustling, you're going to meetings, um, you're spending your whole day just trying to build and build and build. Um, so that can be very lonely. And even when you start to hire staff, what a lot of founders talk to me about is they say that they can't truly open up to their employees a lot of the time because they have to be the ones to show face, to be the ones to motivate, to be the leader. And often that means that they have to, you know, show up and spend, expend a lot of energy when they're not feeling 100%. Um, so I think, I think there's a, you know, those are really key ones, um, in, in terms of founder struggles. Um, one of the biggest ones that always comes up and I don't know if anyone's truly solved it is separating your, how to separate your work and your, the rest of your life, or at least how to switch off from your work when you're done and I and you have the privilege of, of loving what we do in our work and a lot of founders do but that sometimes makes it even harder because you think oh if I love it I should keep doing it but then you start to feel these I don't really love my business I know people who have absolutely loved everything about their business and they have burnt out and that's because they have done so much in that business and so much of what they think that they love but actually they need the distractions. They need the separation in their other life. They need other passions to keep them curious. They need more um, and more things that 
don't just mean that you've got all of your eggs in one basket. Um, and that's, again, you know, leads me on to sort of another one that founders tend to do, which is that your a lot of founders, their business is their baby. Um, it's them. It's what they've put blood, sweat and tears into. And it becomes a very personal thing. And trying to separate your self-worth from your business's performance is quite difficult for a lot of people if you're spending all your time in it and that is what you measure success as, right? If you measure it by, you know, the success of your business, yes, it can be a great indication. And I don't, you know, I, I don't poo-poo anyone that, that wants to aim high. But if you believe that, you know, if you fail, that is you failing, then that takes a toll. And every time that happens, you take that on. And over time, it, it grinds a lot of, a lot of founders. Um, so those are, those are some of the main ones. I guess I would love to hear what sort of your big ones are. And, and, and maybe I'll, you know, I'll see if we can come up with some more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everything you said there just clicked for me. I had never thought about the notion of me basing my own self-worth on how my business is doing, but it's just something that I've always done. And I'm going to be totally honest. Like I don't have a balanced relationship with Mm -hmm. personal and work life. Like I really don't. And I've burnt out a lot over the past 12 months um, since my business has actually like started becoming more of a business and before that it was always right like I started hiring people I started making big decisions spending a lot of money in the business before it was just like la-di-da almost and then Mm -hmm. 12 months ago or 14 months ago we decided or I decided to change the whole brand from Mimi Method to Superhuman so Mm -hmm. starting on that journey was like okay I'm investing a lot of my own money I'm making all these huge decisions I'm building something completely new from scratch I'm hiring all these new people I'm managing people now I don't have time for myself this is my baby so much is on the line because it's all of my own money I didn't get any outside investment I you know this is all hard-earned money that I made myself Mm -hmm. like it's like I'm so attached to everything involved in the business So to answer your question, the biggest thing for me is that separation. And like in December and January of this year, we had the best months that we've ever had. And then February and March, they went down a little bit. And honestly, it sounds silly for me to even be upset about that because so many people bought yearly memberships in January and December. So obviously the revenue is going to be higher but then it's like, oh, people aren't just continuing to buy yearly and it's not just going to keep, keep, keep going up like it has. And I started being so hard on myself, even though like what I've created is so, I, in my opinion, amazing. And everyone yeah. tells me, it's like, wow, how did you do this? And so, yes, to answer your question, it's like you're wearing these like rose colored goggles in a sense. It's like you can't really see reality as it is as a founder sometimes, especially because in some areas you're getting so much praise. And then in other areas, you're like, oh, you're not doing good enough. And it's like getting outside opinion constantly, not like you against yourself as a solo founder. I bet it's quite different as a co-founder because you have someone to kind of bounce things off of. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to answer your question, it's a lot of emotional ups and downs. And to be honest, I have an identity crisis sometimes because I own a meditation app. 
Mm -hmm. And I own an app where it's like, oh, like life is perfect, meditate. And I go through so many mental health struggles and I'm like embarrassed and I have like issues, like even admitting it because it's Mm -hmm. like, I should be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really what you said, which I was one of the biggest surprises for me was certain founders really ultra successful founders that i coach would come into the first session and they would tell me that actually the worst day of their life was either like certain things like when they sold their business for x amount of millions and i'm like what like what 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 do you mean that like you you're you're upset it was, and and they're like it was my plan i wanted and i executed it perfectly but i'm now lost you know, in most part. And that is because they have no sort of self-worth, no fulfillment anymore, because everything that they were doing within that company, they're now not doing. So how do they now measure who they are? Their identity was so caught up in that business that they sometimes get lost. And it's the same with some people who retire, you know, they build this identity around them and their career and then when they stop their career, their personality stops. They, who they were, it's like they don't know what it is anymore. And I think that's something that you know people need to be aware of um, to, to just make sure that they understand that these things can happen. Because the other thing that, that, that founders do is they can't believe at that time that now they're like, why do I feel so crap? I've just got everything I ever wanted and I'm being, you know, a baby about it, or I'm, I'm complaining about, I can't complain to anyone. I can't tell anyone that this is going on because they'll just be like, you just made 10 million or or whatever it is, but it doesn't work like that. We know that money, you know, can't be tied um, to your self-worth. Yes. You know, it's great to be in a position where you can do everything that you want, um, and that you don't have any sort of worries or, or needs in terms of money. But after that, the taper off in, in terms of the graph of, of people who are happy um, and how much money you have, it, it, it goes. Um, but I think kind of also bringing it slightly back to, to what you said, because I think it's really interesting. How do you feel after I've said that? How do you feel about these particular months that, you like are you saying that you've tied your self-worth to the company where you were upset for those months when the the revenue dropped yeah my vibe was lower for sure and even just talking about it before like I was tearing up I don't know if you saw like my eyes were welling up a bit like it's like such an emotional thing for me like Mm -hmm. just thinking but then it's my baby like superhuman is my baby and I've put like it's every part of me put mm-hmm. into a product and glamorize because it's, it really, it as a product, it's so, in my opinion, perfect, but then I'm behind it and I'm so not perfect. So it's like trying to, and I know that everyone listening and everyone that uses the app, like they know that I'm just a yeah. normal person. And that's why I'm trying to be so open on, especially in the podcast, I'm very much so myself. And I've always tried to really highlight like when I'm not being perfect and drinking my green smoothie every morning. And I try to explain like, I'm just a normal person that's trying to, you know, do these things to feel better. And it's just, there's, 
just like a disconnect, I think, um, for me personally, and I know it's just an internal thing I need to deal with and separate myself a bit from the business. And I don't really know how though, Mm -hmm. because, and I think hiring more people and making it so like, I'm really trying to separate myself from it. I'm hiring more. I'm even starting to get writers help me write the meditations so that it can come from other people's perspectives and not just be so me. And I'm really trying to automate that within the business. But it's, it's again, like making those decisions. Like I feel so alone. And that brings me to another point that you were saying, like everything you said, I relate to it's the separation. It's feeling lonely. And, um, I've also like been in a long-term relationship living in the Bahamas while building this business. Like most of my girlfriends are, they live in other places. I don't really have, I don't really have a lot of time or spend a lot of time, like as much as I want to doing social things. And I'm just in this mm-hmm. bubble, like yep. me and Ben in an apartment in the Bahamas focusing on the business. So it's just like, it's a lot <laughs> to yep. handle. And I do often feel like I just don't know what the end goal is because it's like, I have this amazing thing and I'm building it. And I want to build it as big as possible. Then what happens after? And then I do try to like, you know, bring in other things. Like I'm trying to paint more and like Mm -hmm. do things that don't require an outcome. Um, you know, like, like there's no financial reason why I would paint. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I'm, I and am, that's, that's yeah. a great practice, by the way, you know, that's a really yeah. good place to start. A lot of people go, oh, that's a bit, bit silly. Why would someone making, you know, the amount of money that you do just paint for no reason. But I've done, um, I've spoken to a mindful artist and she completely changed my mind on all of this. And we, we did the exercise where there is no outcome. And it's because why that's so good is because we are taught every day, you know, or throughout school in our culture that there has to be an end goal. There has to be something at the end to show to people. And actually what's that makes you get stuck in your head about what you're doing. It makes you doubt yourself. It makes you not do the work actually as good. It's, it kills creativity. And that creativity is, is so important to write your mental health, your life, to your business. And so by bringing that in a bit more, it will really start to help you. And going back to, you know, it's, it's really awesome. Like I love your, your vulnerability, Mimi, in terms of like how you, how honest you are when, you know, in terms of you call an app superhuman. But let's be honest, like we're all, we're all this, like I was saying, we're all sort of messy. And that's why I say it like, and, and, and if we embody that, that we don't have to be this perfect person, then I, I believe that is where you start to reduce the amount of anxieties because there's no surprises, there's no expectations, there's no like someone's going to catch you out and be like, ha you aren't doing your meditation every day and you're selling it to someone every day. And it's like, yeah. it's the whole point is it is okay. And if there's one thing that people could take from this, that what you think you've done wrong right now could be the most right thing in your life. Like what you, it's what you learn from it. That is the power that you can take from it. You know, the, the greatest power I have is because I've been bad at lots of things and I've tried lots of things and I've failed at lots of things. And every time I do, 
as long as you shift your mindset to, oh, I'm, you know, instead of I'm a failure, which I did for a long time, oh, that means there must be something wrong with me. Instead, it's what can I learn from this? Like, what has this taught me? Because if you do that in every situation, it starts to not feel like a failure. And, you know, if you listen to any single person who is successful, they will say, I had to fail a million times. And we are. We're failing every day. But failure is not what it's been made to be perceived as in, in the mainstream media. You know, we're, we're, a lot of people are brought down for their failures publicly. And that obviously enters our consciousness and it makes us feel a bit on edge in, in lots of different ways. And it makes us not want to be as vulnerable. Um, and that's why, like, I love the work that you do and how honest you are with it. Um, and not to jump around, but going back to what you said about tying your yourself to your, um, your business a little and you don't know what you can do about it. Well, this is, this is why I loved coaching. And it's because no one's going to tell you what it is. I couldn't sit here across from you and tell you, you know what, Mimi, you need, you need breath work or you need meditation or, you know what, you need to just take a break from your work or whatever. All of that, I have no idea. I have no idea what you need. I, I never have any idea what my clients need. I might think I know which I've got to be very careful of because then I create a narrative and identity around them. But instead, what coaching does is it just asks questions to help you figure out what it is that is blocking you, what it is that might be holding you back. What is the limiting belief that you've felt about yourself? What's the identity that Mimi is currently clinging on to? And as soon as you can become aware of that, in your own way, not being told by others what's going on, you then feel empowered to make those decisions more. And that's what I found with people. So one of the questions, if, if you came to me as a, um, like you, you did just there, you know, what can I do? You know, my question back would be, what is it that means more than money to you in your business? Mm, well, it's not all about money for me funny enough, <laughs> like the, my purpose in life is just to do big things. It's not really, mm -hmm. I never really cared about money. This is the weird thing. Mm -hmm. I never cared about money. And yes, I've had a big transformation with money because, you know, I started with nothing and I have supported myself since I left home at 17. Like I, I just created this myself. I birthed it, but it's, it, it's not all about money. I know a lot of people get into business for money, but for me, I've just always, since I was a child, felt like I wanted to do something big. And that was always the purpose behind it all. And for me, doing something big is doing something global, doing something that a lot of people are involved in that I love the satisfaction I get when a customer member comes up to me and says, oh my God, you've literally changed my life. Like, And mm -hmm. doing something on such a scale where it's like, there are over 10,000 people that do my meditations regularly. And it's like, I don't even know them, but it's so cool that I'm connected yeah. to all these people. It feels big and I want it to be even bigger. I want it to be a hundred thousand million people. And that's always been my, like the, my why it's just like doing something big and impacting in a big way. Um, and then money is just a side effect of that. And 
it's funny because like I don't even really spend the money I have like I just save it all like I'm not mm-hmm. I, yes I want to you know get a house soon and this and that but like I really don't spend like people would be spending at 25 years old making good money like you know I don't really care about the Range Rover I like having nice things mm-hmm. but like I don't care about yeah. stuff as much as I thought I would back in the day funny enough um but I just it's more about just doing something big so to answer your question that was always my why and I think I don't allow myself to settle because doing something big was always the end goal and I don't think it's big enough yet mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah and and I think therein lies something that I would just highlight if 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 I was coaching you which is that if there is never something if you don't know what's big enough you know how can you ever feel fully accomplished right yeah and so there is a certain amount of you that is currently probably chasing like this it's it's the the common theme of not enough whether whether we are we exactly and that is a present moment stealer as you'll know you know it takes you out and it's going okay I want to be the me me when things are big enough and I'm not saying that this is you know what what you do you know you 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 clearly are um doing a lot of the different practices but I think it's digging into these deeper life questions you know one thing that I would encourage you to do is to really understand why you need to make such big impact because the reason for that will really help you to understand and be able to shift your mind towards not just the revenue count during the month it will shift you to ah for example if you told me that actually it's how many people message me saying that I've changed their life. And that's something that you're like fully, you know, and it gives you a buzz, right? It's, I think on a, on a bigger scale and for everyone listening, you know, helping people makes you feel good. We can all yeah. probably agree with that. If you're in a, in a half healthy state, it makes you feel good, even something small, but yeah, figuring those things out will really help you to understand, you know, that deeper why, And it doesn't mean that you have to land on something, but you will figure out a hell of a lot along that road. And then the idea is you set things that can move you on that trajectory that you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. And I guess with the revenue thing, it's it's more, I just want to be doing better all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it is satisfying to look back and be like, I've done better from this month to this month. And it's not going back, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, we're not taking steps back. So, and I never said revenue wasn't important. It's very important to me. I love money. I, I, I always have, but it's not the number one why for me. Yeah. It was never like the, the reason why I started my own business. Like I would have you know, probably if I wanted to make money the conventional way, like stayed in school and maybe studied something that would make more money. And, you know, I don't know what it would be, but yeah, it it really is just growth in general. And then also just feeling like I'm improving myself, my business, like improvement is something that's so strong for me. And it's funny though, what we were talking about just before, it's like the I'll be happy when 50% of the time 
I am happy in the moment. But then the other 50% of the time, I'm like, I still need to keep going. I'm not satisfied yet. And it's like, my question for you is when, like, what is that perfect sweet spot? Because I tend to think that like, probably 70 or 80% of the time being fully happy in the moment. And then like 20, 30% of the time still wanting, striving for more. Like that's kind of what I always say, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is that perfect sweet spot. Because as humans, we're goal seeking creatures. We want to like achieving is, is a positive thing, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's my opinion, but I'd love to know. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but I'd love to know your take on that. Hey, it's Mimi here. I hope you enjoyed this part one of the episode series I've done with Alexi. I hope you're seeing all the value in it like I did. And we have part two, so it's already up. All you need to do is go back to the Mimi podcast page and just press on part two. There are so many goodies in this episode. You're going to learn more about Alexi's perspective on finding the perfect sweet spot between living in the moment and present happiness versus striving for better and continuous improvement. You're also going to hear his take on the importance of recognizing emotion and feelings rather than lacking understanding and self-awareness. You're going to hear all about letting go and how to genuinely become a happier version of yourself. So go listen to part two and thanks again for listening.